All right, we're in the book of Jude. Jude had one chapter, four to one series. And uh, we'll be picking up uh, with verse number 11 tonight as we move through this book. And we are uh, we're high, almost halfway, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. We're blistering pace, amen. But um, there's uh, it's a great advantage of verse-by-verse study through a book. I think it helps the person teaching and preaching, and it helps those who are hearing it listen to it. And uh, the four to one series with four chapters or less, just a, I don't know, it's a thought that hit my mind a few years ago. We started in the Old Testament with Ruth, and we're, we're going to finish up with this in the book of Jude. And uh, it has kind of put the Word of God together like a puzzle to me. It's helped me a lot in my studies, connecting a lot of things together. And uh, Jude has some things like we looked at with Michael and the dispute of the body of Moses and things that are not scripturally found, but he, the Holy Spirit led him to say it. Now we're going to see a little bit, we might not see it tonight, but he talks about Enoch prophesying. And there is a book of Enoch, but it's not in the Bible. Now it doesn't mean that there's that the, the things that he is referencing here are not right or true. It's just all that God wanted us to know is what God let us know. The 66 books are God's Bible. It's the canon of scripture. And those other books, <coughs> I, you might... You, I've never been really interested in worrying about reading them. What little I know about them is what I hear in little places like this. Uh, some of them are uh, where some strange doctrines come from. And those strange doctrines, when they don't line up with straight doctrine, I, I don't strain over the doctrine. Amen. I just stick with what is in the book. So that helps keep me uh, a little straight. Anyway, I try. I want to be straight. I might be crooked as I can be like a dog's hind leg, but I try to stay straight doctrinally. And uh, so we're going to get into verse number 11. Now we looked at the way of error. We talked about Balaam a little bit and the the story there with the donkey and the angels. Balaam kind of... Uh, taking money to curse people, you know, when I thought that would be, you know, but I got, I want to think about this for a second. You know, people do the opposite of that today. They take money to heal people. They take money to bless people. I don't think God's happy with that either. Amen. I believe that's a way of error as well. And if somebody could heal all those people at Shriners Hospital, why would you not just go free of charge and empty every room? You know why they don't do that? Because they can't do that. They don't have that ability. God can heal. And he has healed many people. But if those people were to take money for that, what a sad error that would be when you, if you had a gift of that where you could touch everyone and receive, but instead they charge tickets to events and things like that. That is a way of error, amen, a way that is greed and seeking after things that the, the word of God speaks against. Then we looked at... Uh, uh, a uh, little bit got started just a little bit and just talked a little bit about uh, the, the, the gainsaying of core. Now this word core in the Greek, as we have it in our uh, King James Version, is just a short abbreviation of Korah of the Old Testament. And they were called Korah and Company. I preached a message on that one time, Korah and Company. And uh, not like... You know, uh, two's companies, three's a crowd or whatever. This company or this group assembled together 
in a gainsaying way. And I want to use this. This is a way of evil that will be exposed. God's going to expose the evil. You know, when truth is preached and in, in, in what it's explained, at, which is what is right to follow and the way to live, and that which is wrong is lived, you, it's like the measuring, it's like, it's like taking a ruler or a square. If you've ever built anything with a square or a straight edge to cut something, you have truth, a true straight edge, and you line up that which is wrong. You're going to see it. It will expose itself. And those scriptures here, he exposes some of these things. Uh, he goes. He goes on to say, "And they perished in the gainsaying of course." So I wanted to take you to that event in the Book of Numbers. So go to your Bible, get into the Book of Numbers, and let's go to that story because it's it was just worth reading. And uh, when I read it, and then of course did some studying in it, I was just amazed how uh, how smart Alec, how um, undermining they were. They, they did not want what God's will was. They did not want God's man Moses. They didn't want him to be the spokesperson. They didn't want Aaron to be the priest. In fact, usually when people find all these ways to complain or they undermine, they have an agenda usually and probably wanted themselves to be promoted or they wanted to promote a puppet and put that man in place so they could control him. And uh, we, we need as believers, we, just want, we need the Holy Ghost to control us. If we'll do that, we'll line up under any authority, whether it's parental, it'll be correct biblically government-wise, it'll be biblically correct in the church culture. It'll line up because the truth is God is true. God is not going to waver or change on us. In this time frame, uh, they just were murmuring and complaining. They didn't really like what... Moses has done. They were led out of Egypt going in to what would be Canaan land, but they're in the wilderness because of a lot of sin and backsliding. They're, they've gone through a lot, a lot of things. But I want you to, we're going to just read it a little slower so you can gather a little bit about it. But um, verse number one, number 16. Now Korah, now that's where the core. And Jude, we were reading, this is Korah we're talking about. Number 16. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Now understand, Levi means he is in the Levitical priesthood. He is of the tribe of Levi. There's relative to that. Aaron was of the tribe of Levi, so was Moses. But Aaron was, was put in by God to be the high priest. And Moses was a spokesperson. And of course he was involved with the rod and many miracles and stuff. But Korah is connected to these people. And then he said, Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. Here's where it gets started. They start taking people aside. Start whispering in people's ears. Start turning people against Moses and Aaron and ultimately against what God uh, God's plan was. And they rose up. Won't be long when you start taking people to the side and whispering in their ear that there'll be a rising up against what God wants. It happens in families. It has happened in countries. It happens in churches. It happened in the children of Israel. And, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel. 250 princes of the assembly. So these are some uh, respected people. 
They've gathered together around them. And many times you might have heard this, well, everybody's saying such and such, preacher. Or everybody's saying such and such, you know. Or you ever had your children say, everybody's got one, daddy. Every, mama, everybody's got one of them pairs of shoes. And, but not all the time everybody or everything or everyone is really everybody, everything or everyone. This group of people are a rebellious group. And there's going to be a gainsaying, and there's going to be a, and they want to just undermine and erode the authority of, of what God has done and who he's using like Moses to lead them. But in all of that, it will expose where their heart is. Uh, listen, I don't think you should swallow anything and everything, but if it lines up with the Word of God, then you should just trust God. Right. Trust God's man in the church. You should trust your family. You should trust God leading you. If you got some scripture to guide your life, you should trust His Word. And But there are some men that were took aside, and then a group rose up, and then they gathered against Moses and Aaron in verse number 3. And notice in verse 2, these princes and all that, they were famous in the congregation. I preached a message on this one time. i got to be careful here. I'm trying to preach five messages in one time. But you ever thought about this? Maybe you've read this before, maybe you haven't. But what are you famous for? Yeah, come on. What are we famous for? Famous in the congregation. They were famous for many accolades, no doubt, of what they have done. But now they're going to be famous for speaking against Moses and speaking against Aaron and resisting what God's plan was. And so the scripture goes on to tell us, and look at verse 3. Now listen to the words. Pretend you're listening to these men bring their case to Moses, and here's what they say. Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift thee up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. He's telling Moses, you have taken too much on you trying to make sure everybody's living holy and righteous. And he says, the Lord is among them. The Lord's already among them and he's guiding them and they don't need you. But you know who that he would really, at the very end of the day, if Moses was gone, if he resigned or if he died or he was killed, guess what kind of men would say, but now you need me. You need me to help you. Right. I'm glad that God has a plan. He, he, he led them and guided them with, with a fire, uh, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. There were certain times that he revealed himself to, sh to show them and guide them. But he also put Moses in their life. He also put the priesthood of Aaron in their life. He divided up the tribes. He had a plan and a way. And so they spoke against him. And he says, wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation. And that's kind of really a real critical thing to say. Is that you're trying to lift yourself above all of us. I would hate to have somebody say that. I'm sure it hurt Moses to think that. Because if he's really trying to live for God, even though he might have been lifted up by God to, in a certain position in his heart. You know the truth there. Great men, even like, like Solomon, he wanted to have an understanding heart to guide the people. You don't want to think of yourself higher than others. And he accused him of that. When Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and unto all his company. Verse 5, saying, even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his. That's why I use that thought about things would be exposed. Evil and righteousness will be exposed when they, when they come together. Darkness and light exposes 
There's no gray areas of darkness and light. There's either light and darkness. I mean, you might have a shadow, but you've got darkness or you've got light. And he says, even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him, even unto him who hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. Now, if you just read Jude and read Korah and you just read that and went right along and never went back to read this, you would never know this story even existed. Then, therefore, you wouldn't understand what Jude was trying to get across to us. So, uh, I want to take time to do that. Verse 6, he says, This do, take you censers, little censers of fire, and burn incense. Korah and all his company, and put fire there, therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. You all take upon that work of the priesthood and you all come out and you all bring your senses of fire. You bring, you burn your incense and will let God choose. Now it wasn't too many chapters before uh, in the book of Leviticus that the sons of Aaron, Nahab and Abihu decided to do something similar to this. And the Bible called it strange fire. And God killed them. Now, if I'd have heard of Moses inviting me to do something similar to what they did and died, I'd be like, no, thank you, Moses. You're doing a great job, buddy. You just keep on trucking. But some people are so self-centered. They're so bitter. They want control of it. They don't want God to guide them. They don't want no, anybody that God put in their life to tell them what to do. And they want to run the show themselves. And that's the spirit of these men or even the ones that, that they were taken in and, and they got caught up in the and what we call a revolution. They kind of rose up. Some of them might not have known, they might not have been of the same spirit, but they were easily persuaded. I definitely want to be a person who as soon as something like that come around and said, no, I'm not. Oh, no, no. We're not going down that road. I'm not on, listen, I'm not on your bandwagon. I'm with Moses, amen. And I hope that we could see God would work in our hearts and lives so that we would not be, uh, be rise up with those who speak against, speak evil against, undermining God's authority, undermining God's appointment. And so the, the scripture goes on, uh, verse 7. Now, I don't. I don't know why I like a little cynicism or smart aleck spirit. I, I, when I catch it, it just makes me feel like I'm glad other people are like that. Now, I don't try to be that way to everybody, but it lets me know that they were human too. Now, you remember all that they, he criticized against Moses. Listen to what Moses says, verse 7. Put fire therein and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. Now, if you just read your Bible and you don't express it like that, do you, do you see what Moses just said? He said, you take too much upon you, Moses. He said, you take too much upon you. Yeah. You're in trouble. Yes, sir. <laughs> Seemeth it but a small thing unto you, verse 9, that the God of Israel has separated you. Remember now, the Levites were separated from the congregation as a special group to be part of the priesthood. They would sacrifice animals and blood would be shed and sin would be atoned for and the glory of God would come and fire would come down from heaven to accept sacrifices and sin would be forgiven. They were called into that glorious work. And he says, is it a small thing unto you 
They weren't happy with what God had already called them or put them in to be. They were not content. We know there's New Testament teaching about that, that we ought to be content with what God has given us. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He says, it's a small thing unto you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them. We all need to learn and we ought to be thankful for what God has given us to do. It's a blessing just to be used one time. If he just picked us up one time, he did anything with us just one time, we shouldn't look at it as a small thing. Verse 10, And he hath brought thee near to him. Wow. And all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also? You want to take over the priesthood also? So Moses is exposing them by revealing that he sees through what they're doing. Right. Verse 11, For which cause both thou and all the company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. He sent for them. Now, either they must have disappeared and just walked away after that, the discussion. <laughs> Maybe they decided to leave after he started really getting on core a little bit. But they apparently went back to their tents. He called for them and they said, we will not come up. They refused. And he says here, verse 13, is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up? Notice how they go back and forth with the phraseology and things. But it is a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness. Now, do you understand that? Now, what's the man letting the land flow with milk and honey? That's Canaan land. That's the promised land that they had not gone into yet. And these men just described living in Egypt in mud pits, making mud bricks as slaves, the land that floweth with milk and honey. Boy, something's wrong with their vision in their heart. If the world you were living in in slavery is better than the promises that God has given you and you get weary of waiting on God and trusting in God, that's the place that happens when you let people take you up, draw you in, whisper, you let the devil whisper in your ear. You rise up against the, and begin to rebel against the, the things of God. It'll, it'll, put, it'll change your whole vision. They're trying to sell, a, we just left the land of milk and honey. No, you were a slave and your children were being slaves. Your, your young men were being killed and thrown in the Nile River, be eaten by crocodiles and stomped on by hippopotamuses and bitten by snakes. That don't sound like the land of milk and honey. But boy, some people, that's what they act like. It was better when we back in, it was better when I used to go drinking in the bar and getting fights all the time. That was the land of milk and honey. Boy, that's a messed up, messed up mentality, amen. But that's what he said. It's a small thing, Moses, he's telling this to. You brought us about the land of flowing of milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. Trying to act like Moses was trying to become some great leader or a prince. Since he was technically a prince of Egypt when things were there in Egypt, but now he, he's not in favor in Egypt, but now he's got them. So they're trying to say, now all you want to do is make your own great nation. You want to make yourself ruler over us. Verse 14, moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. 
Will thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. So you're just blinding people. You're putting out the eyes of these men. And every promise you've ever made, none of it's happened. But you know who they're really attacking? God. Because Moses didn't get up one day and make up all these crazy promises. God told him that you're going to go into a land that's going to be flowing with milk and honey. Well, what did that mean? Well, later on, if you read your Bible, you'll find that they did go into Canaan land and there was bountiful things growing there and there was milk, I mean cow, cattle everywhere and there was honey everywhere and there were grapes probably the size of your head. There was a place of abundance, the grapes of Eskol. Well, they attack him. Moses was very raw, verse 15. And said unto the Lord. Now notice in verse 15 real quick. When you get mad at somebody else, go talk to God first. Do you see that? Yes. Moses got mad and punched him in the nose. Now he talked to God. Yes, sir. That's good for you. And he said, respect not doubt their offering. I have not taken one ass from them. I'm not taking one thing, one animal from them. Neither have I hurt one of them. Moses said unto Korah, be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron, tomorrow. Every man take his censer and put incense in them and bring ye before the Lord. Every man his censer, 250 censers. Thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and they laid incense thereon and they stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Aaron and Moses and Aaron saying, Separate yourselves. Now this is God speaking now. The glory of God, the glory cloud appeared. They're all standing around with their little censers. And God speaks out audibly. Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. And I'm going to tell you, I believe this scripture is talking about Moses and Aaron falling upon them, their faces yes, to intercede for this situation. Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and will thou be wroth of all this congregation? They're interceding Amen. for that one man's spirit not to be judged, the whole congregation be judged. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speaking to the congregation, saying, Get you up from that tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abram. And Moses rose up and went unto Dathan and Abram, and the elders of Israel followed him. He spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men, and touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abram, and every, on every side, and Dathan and Abram came out, stood in the door of the tents, and their wives and their sons and their little children. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. Everything you criticize, God's going to prove right now in front of everyone that God called me, God chose me, and God has told us what these things are going to be. I have not done them of my own hand. He said in verse 29, if these men die the common death of all men, 
Or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord have not sent me. Which means they were getting ready to die an uncommon death. Yes, sir. Because he said if they die a common death, old age, just, just, just die like normal folks do. He said, God had not sent me at all. But if the Lord make a new thing, a new thing, a new way to die? Well, it certainly is in the Bible at this point. There had never been a way to die like this. That the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up with all that appertain unto them. And they go down quick into the pit. So technically God just opened up the earth and swallowed them live into the pit of hell just like that. That's what he said. That's going to be a new thing. Such a, a dynamic thing to show them. To, to as, as we talked about, to expose the wickedness, yes. the unrighteousness. And he says... And they that go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand. So no matter how, why God judges or how he judges, it's always, usually, every time I can see it, God wants there to be an understanding of why, what, what, what was wrong, what the sin was, where the line of transgression is, why God said, thou shalt not. And when people transgress and there's judgment, he wants others to learn from that judgment. Yes, and to understand that these men have provoked who? The Lord. Verse 31, and it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder. That means it just caved in underneath them. Verse 32, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their houses and all the men that appertain unto Korah and to all their goods. Later on, I think it's in chapter 21, it tells us that Korah's sons did not die. But every Korah and all the others that appertained to his company and this other Dathan and them and those, those family and their tents at their tent doors. Uh, the, the Bible says in verse 33, look at verse 33, went down alive into the pit. And the earth closed upon them and they perish from among the congregation. How could you ever get over such a sight as that? It wouldn't be too long later. They'd murmur again in the wilderness. Even God's people, the Jews, were hard-headed. And we're hard-headed. And even though we're saved by grace and have the Holy Spirit living in us. Sometimes we need to learn from how hard-headed some of that crew was. Verse 34. And all Israel that were around about them. Fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow up us, us up also. And I hope, listen, this is Old Testament. Yes, the wrath of God was revealed in a ferocious manner. There's no doubt. This is, this is severe stuff. But we need to have a holy, reverential fear of who God is. And the Old Testament paints that picture, and it helps us understand. How, how amazing grace is yes, that Christ has taken on the wrath of sin in the manner where God got enough and even Moses had gotten enough and there was a, a line drawn and God opened up alive the pit as they provoked the Lord personally and his promises, his people he chose to lead them into Canaan land. And so we need to understand it is the grace of God that, that we're not going to go to hell ourselves 
for the things we've said against God, for the things we blaspheme against the name of the Lord and, and the things we've done in our life. And no doubt, I'm sure that some of you have been better than others, but if, we, if God added all our sins up, I'm sure the Bible still declare, none righteous, Amen. no, not one. So they fled of the cry because they, they didn't want to get swallowed up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. Every one of them that was standing there with their little incense, their little censer with fire. God sent a fire out and zapped, whether it was a lightning bolt or a, or a beam of fire, God got every single one of them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, verse 36, speak. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, and take up the censers out of the burning, and scatter the fire yonder, for they are hallowed. Wow. Clean up all the censers out of that. Those that died, they're gone. They've been purged. Those censers are hallowed. The fire of God came down upon them. To those first 35, 36 verses, teach us the sense of verse 28. Hereby you shall know the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own hand. Any time in the Old Testament when Israel was moving around and, and, and coming in contact with other nations, it was the hand of God that God was trying to get across to Egypt and Babylon and all these others. Any time any other nation come in contact with Israel is the only reason why they even put in the Bible. Otherwise, it really wasn't that important. Egypt's not important unless they come in contact with, with a Moses and a Joseph. Amen. It's all about who God's people are and God's hand working in their life. So you find in that scripture uh, that way of uh, evil that is exposed there. And when you go back to Jude, we won't get into that tonight because that took us a little while to get. I, w I wanted to read that story because I'm, I'm assuming some of you probably even never even really read it before but when we get into these other areas he's going to talk about spots with feast and things with stains and and sinful uh symbolism here and clouds without rain and he's just going to give us a lot of examples here of exposing that which is evil versus that which is righteous and so on that day god judged even kept up with the number of the, of the 250 it helps me realize God's got a reckoning of everything, account of every sin, and everyone who's involved in that sin. And such a holy God, I don't want to be standing exposed before him. The Bible teaches us when, when we stand before the Lord one day as believers, if you're not a believer, a true believer tonight, not really trusted Christ as your Savior, you're going to be exposed without hope without anybody there to represent you but the bible teaches jesus christ we have an advocate with the father jesus christ is like our lawyer and he's going to represent us he also became the lamb of god that died on the cross for our sins he's taken our place in every facet he was nailed on the cross and became our very sin Amen. on the cross and the wrath of god has fallen upon him that you and i might not ever be separated from god ever 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 again and I praise the Lord. I don't have to have to deal in the sense and understand the wrath of an Old Testament God who's still like that today. The only reason we don't know him in that character is because we have been made righteous through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
God has opened up a way of an amazing mercy and grace to allow us to become the sons and daughters of God. Amen. Become the children of God. But the Old Testament reminds us of the harshness of that day. You know, you could talk against your parents and be stoned to death. Well, how many of us would have been stoned to death? I don't think there's anyone here probably didn't sash your mom and daddy at least one time. I mean, the, the law was made as a measuring rod to show us where our sin was and how we abound over that law. And then the book of Romans talks about that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. If somebody says they want to be a seventh day this or a, or a, a, a part of the Abrahamic faith or they want to embrace some Old Testament mentality or law, they just don't understand how amazing grace is. I don't want to go back and keep over 633 Old Testament laws. Amen. I barely keep up with the 10. Amen. Thank God for his mercy and grace. And he helps us to understand that he wants us to love our enemies and all the commandments of Christ. I can't do those or walk along with those. But his spirit lives in me to live through me to live as he wants me to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. We'll get into those other verses a little bit later. And then we'll get into a few verses that will talk about the way we're going to contend for the faith in the last days. There's some really good nuggets in here. Especially looking forward to getting into praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And there's thoughts about having compassion in this verse 22. Making a difference. This is a harsh book. But it's also got some very, very good truths of Christian application in it as well. But Jude gets worked up. He uses the word ungodly several times in a couple of verses. But you can imagine some of the people he dealt with that were in that culture. That reminded the people of the Old Testament. And we know if we look. We said the same spirit of the type of people that are alive today. Yes, and it's people who just do not want to accept. They're disobedient towards the things of God. They resist God's will, his work, his way. And you and I need to be people that are agents of his grace. We need to be people that are trying to reconcile the, the wickedness, the wicked people of this world to the Lord. But we need to show forth good works. We need to show forth love and charity as the scripture talks about. To try to expose the difference between the darkness and light. That is in this, this world. It's so important that we do it without hypocrisy. Yes, sir. And that doesn't mean you're perfect. But when you fail, that means you make it right with them and God. Amen. You make you get it right. Don't just pretend that it doesn't matter because it's you. You need to make sure you, you say, hey, listen, I, I said this bad word in front of you. I'm sorry. I will ask you to forgive me. I've asked God to forgive me. I don't normally say those words, and I've messed up. They'll respect you more. But if you act like you're some beautiful feast without any spot, you're, so, you're some kind of special thing without any kind of problem, and you just continue to hypocritically pretend like nothing is wrong, that's why a lot of people are going to hell today. Yes, sir. And we need that. We need to just... Be exposed as the true children of light versus the backdrop of the wickedness of, and the darkness of this day. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we ask you, Lord, to help us uh, as we try to preach and teach this book. And Lord, books like it, Lord, there's so many things that connect to other places in the Bible that, Lord, if, uh, until we looked at them and connected them together, Lord, we just we never had a great appreciation or didn't know the depths of it. Lord, we still don't understand it all, but we thank you, Lord, that we can still learn and grow in grace and knowledge. I pray that you'll help us, God, to learn 
from the scriptures of this book. And again, thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. Thank you, Lord, that we're not under the law, but you came to fulfill the law. Your love of giving yourself to us was the fulfilling of the law. And thank you, Lord, that we now understand what mercy and grace truly is. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.